Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome back to See Also. I'm Brody Lancaster. I'm Kate Jinks. This week we are catching up a little in advance. We're also falling for Christmas. And we're digging into all of the Princess Diana stories on our screens. The crown, the princess, the Spencer. It's all happening. <laughs> Jinxie, we have to correct the record from our last episode. Oh, I'm so deeply ashamed by myself, by my actions, BL. Uh, It was pointed out to me. I did not come across this myself. I got something wrong last week. Uh, Yeah, I I don't know what the punishment should be, but (laughs) look, Ariel Pink, Vale, covered Baby by Donnie and Joe Emerson off their album Dreamin' Wild, not Seagull by the Alessi Brothers. In my defense, they are both groups of brothers, widow brothers in the 70s releasing music themselves. So, I mean... Easy mistake to make. And I love both of them. Anyway, apologies, apologies to uh, Donnie and Joe Emerson for that one. I love that the mistake wasn't you saying Vale every time you say Ariel Pink's name. <laughs> I think people are okay with that. They're fine. Yeah. Emotionally, Vale. Emotionally, Vale. Yeah. What have you been up to, BL? Any corrections on your on your part? No corrections from me. I've been a little boring sausage lately. I'm just truly burning myself. Not burning the candle, just burning myself out constantly. As I just mentioned to you off mic, taking a little mental health day, Menti H day tomorrow. Going to get a manicure. Good for you. 
go to my favorite grocer, you know. Oh, what's your favorite grocer? Siracos in Thornbury. Mm. And it's a bit of a schlep now that I don't live close by. I'm an extra four or five tram stops away. But, you know, it's not always easy to pop up there on a weekend. And it is a special treat. Um, I did a lot of Ikea assembly on the weekend. Your study is looking gorge. Yeah, my home office is finally fitting the brief of what I always wanted it to be. I don't walk in and feel annoyed by all the stuff I have to organize anymore. <laughs> I mean, goals, really goals. That's Truly the dream. Goals. That's the dream. <laughs> um, my Instagram explore page is entirely nail art and bookshelves. So lots of inspo for both of these things. <laughs> is that because of the manicurist date coming up tomorrow? I think it's just because that is the content I save and engage with the most. Mm. The number of Vitso shelving units in my saved images on Instagram, I've got to start organizing them. I get it. I get it. I I can't even talk about the Vitso system. It's a We've talked off mic about the Vitso. It's a big issue within my family. So <laughs> I want to talk to you quickly about um, the Selena Gomez documentary that came out recently. Oh, good. You watched it? I watched it. I have a lot of thoughts and feelings, but famously you and I are off Twitter, so I have nowhere to put these thoughts and feelings. Also, I know that if I say anything critical of Selena Gomez on Twitter, I will get doxxed. Oh, yeah, don't do it. Don't do it to yourself. So she's stars in this documentary called My Mind and Me, it came out to a lot of acclaim. Like Rolling Stone pushed their cover story on her early because the documentary came out or something, I guess. A bunch of people were like, slay queen, whatever. Like, (laughs) you know, she's being open about her mental health. She, you know, lives with bipolar. She's had lupus. She had a kidney transplant. She seems to find being famous torturous. That's the picture that the documentary paints. But I use the word documentary very lightly because it's one of those Apple TV uh, like PR Mm. documentaries. Like I Googled it. It's directed by someone called Alec Kasheshian, whose sister is the CEO of Lighthouse Management and Media, which is Selena Gomez's talent agency. Mm. So, you know, not exactly impartial. I watched the trailer for this and uh, because, you know, I like her in Only Murders and Same. loved her in Dead Don't Die, but the trailer made it look like an EPK, you know? Yeah, it's a bad movie and also she can't – I know that – look – I don't want to be like a woman hater who says that women have to be likable, but she comes across as really awful to the point where if I were watching this, I would be like, I'm firing everyone around me. I don't trust their judgment. Like it opens with her rehearsing a live concert tour and it sounds bad and it looks bad and it's low energy and it's bad. And then she comes off stage and she starts melting down because she's like, that was bad. It was really bad. It was really terrible. And everyone around her is going, oh, my God, no, Selena. It was great. It was so good. And I was like, surely this is a turning point for her because she sees what we see, which is that that was really bad. But no, it was just everyone needed to come in and, like, validate her. And Mm. every single scene, every conversation that she has is about her. Like, she sits people down to be like, how would you describe me? And, you know, there's a lot of hangers on who are clearly paid to be in her life. Anyway, 
The thing that I find most interesting about it is that there's kind of like a bad art friend storyline going on. <laughs> oh, no. oh about the kidney, the kidney. The kidney. So I knew that Selena Gomez got a kidney transplant, right? Like years ago, 2017. But I didn't know that the person who gave her a kidney is also like, quote unquote, in the industry, like a kind of not very famous, famous person. Oh, no. Yeah. And so I haven't read the Selena Gomez Rolling Stone profile, but there was this headline making the rounds where she said in it, my only friend in the industry really is Taylor Swift. And, you know, everyone's being like, Selena and Taylor, they've been friends for like over a decade, whatever, huge besties. But this girl, Francia Riser, who donated Selena Gomez a kidney, <laughs> commented on a post with that quote just saying, interesting. <gasps> and, you know, like in 2017, when Selena Gomez posted about this kidney transplant, she was like, thank you, my beautiful friend. You gave me the ultimate gift and sacrifice. I'm incredibly blessed. I love you so much, sis. So clearly there's been a fallout. She donates the kidney. Five years later, there's a documentary where she's in it, I guess, and Selena Gomez refers to her in the documentary as that girl who donated me a kidney. Oh. <laughs> and when people are kind of like gossip accounts, I guess, are talking about like, oh, my God, she commented interesting about Selena Gomez only being friends with Taylor Swift, Selena commented on TikTok and said, sorry, I didn't mention every person that I know. Oh. <gasps> And so this is feeling like... But this bitch gave her a kidney. Literally (laughs) life-saving kidney (laughs) operation. And on one hand, it's like very bad art friend to be like, um, I donated you a kidney. We have to be friends for life. Mm, But mm. on the other hand, like, Selena, what what are you doing? Maybe she's awful. The documentary paints her as pretty No, 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 the, the previous owner of the kidney. The previous owner, <laughs> the biological mother of the kidney. Yeah, I mean, it's the kidney is no longer a one lady owner. You know, it's a yeah, two yeah. lady owners. It's not a gold star kidney it's anymore. Not a gold star kidney. No, I don't even know what the analogy is here anymore. <sighs> but yeah, a bad art friend plotline was the last thing. Wow, last thing I thought would come from the Selena Gomez doco. Remember in that Edward Snowden one where mm. <laughs> the documentary where he's like on his computer he knows people are trying to get him and in the background in a hotel there's a selena gomez music video playing where it's like if you're ready come and get it na, 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 na. i don't remember that <laughs> and it's little skinny edward in his bathrobe like <laughs> hacking <laughs> oh wow well look i thank you for your service for uh <laughs> Watching, watching a that. truly bad documentary. <laughs> yeah, because I just uh I just could not I couldn't do it. No, good. Yeah. Save yourself and listeners, save yourself the trouble. It's no good. Another thing that I consumed so that you don't have to is Bethany Frankel's new podcast. You're doing Gaia's work this week, truly, BL, because I don't have time for that. I like how I introduced the episode by being like, I'm so burnt out. I'm doing too much. (laughs) (laughs) It's quite funny. Meanwhile. Yeah, meanwhile. (laughs) So uh, recap for anyone who doesn't know Bethany. She was on Real Housewives of New York, built the brand Skinny Girl Cocktails, is so deeply annoying. Loved Bethany on the show. Bethany has tried doing spinoff reality shows yeah, bad, bad. that are 
unwatchable. I believe she already has a podcast about like bitching with B or whatever, <laughs> something like that. She also has, she's trying to do TikTok stuff now, like where she tells you what skincare is worth the money and what's not because she spent the money on everything. She talks shit about the Kardashians a lot and I believe is about to launch her own skincare or makeup oh. line. So it's all really kind of nefarious and like untrustworthy. Did she? Anyway, but she mentored a TikTok dude as well, right? Oh, yeah. She like some some kid from like the hype house who her daughter liked Bethany like mentored him in business, <laughs> but it's kind of similar to like when Addison Ray started hanging out with Courtney Kardashian because like Mason had like a little baby chub for Addison Ray and Courtney was like, <laughs> I'm famous enough to bring her over to the house. It was really, really weird. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so Bethany has a podcast which is called the Rewives Podcast. And Jinxie, you know how I feel about people starting reality TV, uh, starting recap podcasts of shows that they were on. I hate it. It's an epidemic. No one's talking about it, but none of these shows are good. Bethany has started this show where she gets a guest on who's like a celebrity guest who likes The Real Housewives and talks about a famous episode. So she's just starting arbitrarily with Scary Island, the infamous season three Real Housewives of New York episodes where they go to Cartagena, not Cartagena, they go somewhere. It's where Turtle Time is born. It's where Go to Sleep, Al Sharpton, Satchels of Gold, you know, (laughs) it's Jill going, hi. It's like it's all happening on Scary Island. It's that still of um, Kelly Ben-Simone clutching at her chest with gummy bears. Yeah. It's also the recording of Countess Luann's first single back in New York. Oh, yeah. God, it's really, it's a good moment for those housewives. It's a huge moment. Yeah, huge moment in Rahoni history. Um, It's Johan face, Johan face, you know, the photo (laughs) shoot with Alex McCord on the beach. Oh, God, yeah. So Bethany has, who else but Elizabeth Moss on her podcast to recap Scary Island. I I don't I don't follow I don't follow how that happened. Is Bethany now a Scientologist? I think Elizabeth Moss must be a public Housewives fan or Bravo fan. Good for her. Bethany is crippled by a case of terminal uniqueness, right? She always has been. She's the first person to ever do anything. She's the most interesting person in her own life. So she opens this podcast by being like, where else, Kip, have you ever heard an esteemed actress talking about housewives? And it's like um, on Bitch Sesh, on Watch What Happens Live, like many places. Yeah, when Sarah Paulson did that excellent version of Erica Jane. like Whenever Jennifer Lawrence opens her mouth. She, Bethany clearly has only recently watched Handmaid's Tale because she refers to Elizabeth Moss as June the entire <laughs> show. <laughs> well, at least Which it's is, not off for it, I suppose. But It's so funny. I just Googled it to remind myself what the name of the podcast is, Rewives, and I saw a headline about Bethany clapping back at the hate. So people are, <laughs> people are mad about this podcast already. Luann called it sad and pathetic on Danny Pellegrino's podcast she also pointed out that it's coming from a place of hate not love which is true bethany has been very vocal about like you know she doesn't care about housewives anymore she doesn't want to you know be associated with it and bethany's quote (laughs) to access hollywood 
is, I'm sorry they're having a hard time with this. It makes sense. It's already very successful. It's an incredible idea. It's got buzz. It's interesting. I can't apologize for having great ideas and for being successful. I, 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 don't, <laughs> I don't have words. It's also, Kate, I can't even tell you. If you and I were to do a podcast episode about Scary Island, it would hit on so many things that Bethany did not even touch. Like she focuses on her cooking. (laughs) Why did I make salsa? I don't know. I never make salsa. Where where did I think of coming up with a mango salsa from? She talks about the crab cakes that the crew liked that she cooked for like five minutes. Because this episode is the the, like there's that fight about whether she's a cook or a chef, right? Like that's where this comes from. You're not a chef, you're a cook. It's Mm. weird. She talks about the steak that she served, Kelly, that still had the string around it and it was undercooked. And you're listening to it going, that's not, that's not the thing people remember Scary Island for, Bethany, Mm. is your steak. Like, but of course that's what she thinks about because she's like so single-minded in whatever is relevant to her, you know? She tells these stories about saving Alex McCord and Sonia, like the producers were going to fire them. And so she went and whispered to Alex, like, you've got to show up to this party and you've got to say this. And like that kept Alex on the show another season. Well, I mean, she shouldn't have. <laughs> Set Alex free. She's a lawyer in like Byron Bay now. I think she's, I think she's a psycho. Isn't she a psychologist? I thought she was a lawyer. Maybe she got a new degree during COVID. Anyway, what I would give for Alex McCord to be my therapist, right? Do you think she does telehealth? <laughs> I doubt she does telehealth. I don't know if that woman knows how to use a computer. Well, I, yeah, I'm really grateful that you listened to that. Did Elizabeth Moss have anything to say? Oh, sorry, June. Did June have anything to say? June mostly validated Bethany and said things like, but that's why you were so great. That's why we loved watching you. So I was like, ugh. Yeah, well, I mean, that's how I felt about the whole last season of The Handmaids. I watched the whole way through. You did too. Yeah, we watched it all. (laughs) Oh, God. I mean, it's finished? I mean, it's not. There's another season. But, God, I was relieved to not have to watch it the next week. I messaged you at one point and (laughs) said, there's a moment where you think June's about to die again Mm -hmm. and again and again. And I was like, all right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Vale. Vale. <laughs> I can't wait till we get to say Vale about anyone on The Handmaid's Tale. Truly. Um, you don't like recaps of reality show podcasts when it's mm-hmm. done by the creators. I fully agree, except there is an exception. I don't listen to it all the time, but the Pants podcast with Kate Manning and uh, Leisha Haley from the L word, they started a podcast during the pandemic, just like born out of their friendship. And they ended up recapping the L word, like the original L word. And it's actually really funny because they clearly just are very happy to uh, say exactly what was going on at any given point. And it's pretty good. Oh, wow. I didn't even know that this existed. Yeah, I, it was one of my, like, pandemic walking podcasts. But it's it's still on and they still do it every week or every second week, whatever. Wait, so this is Shane and... Shane and Alice. Oh, my God. Yeah, and they get all of them back on. That You know, like, Dana's been on and Carmen's been on. It's good. Oh, yeah, oh. I know, right? 
<laughs> wow, I think I'm due for an L Word rewatch because it's been like a solid decade. Look, it hasn't been a solid decade for or me. More, yeah. But I think everyone's always, always ready. Pants is such a good name for a podcast. Well, it's called Pants because they were always together. And so Mia Kirshner, who used to play Jenny, who, as we found out in a few episodes ago, used to date Sam Shepard, she called them Pants because they were like never, you can't have like one leg without the other. Oh, I love that. So there you go. On the topic of uh, like mental health and what we're doing, I've got to say I started running and swimming again in the last few weeks and it's so indescribably irritating how good it is for my mental health, like really (sighs) awful. Like you kind of feel it's like when you don't drink for a little bit and you're like, oh, I can get up easier. Mm. It's so frustrating. I really resent how good exercise makes me feel. That's the end of that sentence. Yeah, it's it's fucking yeah. annoying. Yeah. Are you um because I I've I talked about this with my therapist yesterday, like not doing the things I know are good for me and make me feel good and I have no excuse for it, but I will always find an excuse not to go for a walk or go to the gym or whatever. Do you have any <laughs> too many hacks? Like how are you I do. Are you, for finding the motivation? I'm not great at finding the motivation. So I've started putting down like annoying things on my to-do list, like things that I really don't want to have to do, like really boring admin tasks. And I say to myself, well, either you have to, you have to do one or the other. Like you have to go to the gym or like go to the park or the pool or you actually have to tackle that email you don't want to send, that phone call you don't want to make, etc. And you know what? I always end up picking the exercise. It's the actually becomes <laughs> when exercise becomes an easier option, that's when I do it. Mm-hmm. I had a friend who would exercise in the mornings purely because she uh, would wake up and then get out of bed immediately. Like she never allowed herself like that moment of like luxuriating in the waking up time, the snug as a bug in a rug hours, as mm-hmm. Twitter now says. But uh, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not good on that front. But yeah. yeah, while we record, I am wearing my like, I'm wearing my best exercise socks and my hokers and my tights and my you know my sweat wicking shirt under my jumper. Because I got up this morning and was like, oh, my God, I have to leave for Pilates in like 15 minutes. And so I just like got out of bed and got dressed and went. And there was a moment where I was like, you could be doing this every morning, you dumb bitch. Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to keep up the momentum. But mm. I guess it's soon as you find yourself like with me for running, it's like as soon as I find it gets a little bit easier, it gets better, uh, then I can... <laughs> Yeah, then I'm more inclined to do it, I suppose. The only thing that I thought could ever be true motivation for me, because the idea of like ticking something off a list, it's it's not doing it for me. I've got my spreadsheet. I've been tracking every no. day this year. And even that isn't, you know, motivating me to tick off like going to the gym or whatever. I saw this girl on TikTok who was like, the only thing that works for me is that I have a gym show. And I can only watch an episode of that show when I am on the elliptical or the treadmill or the bike or whatever. Oh, that's smart. And she was like, I don't, I do not watch it at home. So if I want to watch another episode, I got to go to the gym again. And she said that 
either she or her friend did it and watched every single episode of Survivor and got so fit that they are now auditioning for Survivor. (laughs) Oh, that's good. That's a good one. Yeah. So I am in need of a new show and maybe maybe it will have to be a gym show. Well, I think Survivor is a good place to start for you because there are so many episodes, but I have also been completely ensconced in a new TV show that is coming up later in my also also. So BL, you must stick around for that. Oh, I guess I'll stick around. <laughs> I mean, you don't have I, a choice. You don't have I was, a choice. I was going to leave. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to say also that we, I've got to say also, no, uh, <laughs> if we have missed any major life or world events this week, it's because we are revealed behind the curtain uh, recording a week early. So forgive us if we miss anything massive. Yeah, Jinx is going overseas. Yeah, I'm going to India for work, which I'm very excited about. Work and relax. Yeah, a little bit of work, a little bit of relax. Beautiful, Mm. right? I leave literally in a couple of days. My visa came through within (laughs) the last 12 hours. Oh my God, great. Yeah, thank God. The nightmares can finish now. But I'm in that mode of like going to a country I haven't been to before, not quite sure of the humidity slash season and having to go for like a week of like work events followed by a week of traveling. So it's that kind of what the hell do you pack? Like it's a packing conundrum for me. This is the kind of problem that like uh, capsule wardrobe girlies Mm. say the solution is just layers, you know, like a – a pant and a top that can work with something else over it or under it, you know, like it's a real, it's a real layer situation. It, it is a like. layer situation. Or do I just do what Joan Didion would do and pack a typewriter and a bottle of bourbon? Sure. <laughs> BL, as you know, I'm like Jorinda Medley level Christmas head and I'm way more cool about it than Dorinda. I mean, I do make it nice, but you know what I mean. You won't get into a fight about a Nutcracker doll? Absolutely not. No, I will not. But I am also in that like Mariah zone where as soon as like as soon as we're at November 1, Halloween never existed, if you know what I mean. And yeah. uh, I did immediately watch a Christmas film while I was like cleaning up my study. And that was Serendipity, which is not a usual go-to Christmas film, I will say. However, and I've watched a number of Christmas films since like Carol, Happiest Season, etc. Happiest Season's still bad. But (laughs) the film that I chose to uh, mix my annual Christmas puddings to was, which is a thing, it's a whole thing, seven hours of boiling, was... Lindsay Lowen's Falling for Christmas. Falling for Christmas. It's finally here. It is finally here. I mean, I know you've been excited for over a year. I <laughs> I sent Jinxie a screenshot yesterday of my Instagram story from a year ago. It was me sharing that Lindsay Lowen had posted that she was on set, on the Falling for Christmas set, and in her caption she said, action with the little like film clacker (laughs) emoji and I shared it and just said action because I was really happy that Lindsay was back working and that sentimentality carried through my viewing of Falling for Christmas which yes 
it's a bad movie and it felt like it was both written, filmed and performed by AI. But Lindsay wasn't terrible. I mean, the CGI raccoon was better than Lindsay, but I, she was, she was fine. I mean, she did, she did, it's like, you know, did what it says on the tin. You know what I mean? Like she, she she showed up. Yeah. She fell for Christmas. She showed up. She did Lindsay Lohan. She was, yeah, she fell for Christmas. It's also, you know, it's a film produced for Netflix, so it's always (laughs) going to be bad because Netflix makes terrible movies. And it is in that genre of, I mean, I can't believe how often I mention it, but the amnesia rom-com, at least it doesn't have fucking Rebel Wilson in it this time. (gasps) I'm so glad you brought that up because Rebel Wilson in that new film with Charlotte Gainsbourg, uh, The Almond and the Sea, is that what you're talking about? Oh, my God. Is there another Rebel Wilson amnesia film? There are two. (gasps) What's what's your one? There is the one where she is a cheerleader and hits her head and then wakes up and she still is 16 mentally but is Rebel Wilson. And then there's Isn't It Romantic where she hits her head really violently and wakes up and she's living in a romantic comedy. Oh, I'm... I'm not familiar with Is these. there a third Rebel Wilson amnesia movie, Kate? Is that what you're telling me? I hate to tell you, but yes. Um, <laughs> uh, my colleague Fitz sent this to me and uh, it is a horrific trailer. The film is called The Almond and the Seahorse and it stars Rebel Wilson and Charlotte Gainsbourg. I've never fucking heard of this. Rebel Wilson stars as an archaeologist looking to excavate why her husband is suffering from a brain injury. Yeah, and it's like a serious drama. No. Is Rebel Wilson doing like spawn con for traumatic brain injuries or concussions (laughs) or something? Like is this, is she getting paid by like big concussion? Maybe. I mean, look, I hope she's – no, I don't care. Um, She's fine. She's fine. <laughs> Were you about to say, I hope she's getting her bag? No, I hope she's getting something. And I was like, oh, she's, she's got enough, sure. She got a baby last week. Oh, good for her. Good for her. Congrats, Rebel. Yeah. Far more into a Lindsay Lohan amnesia storyline. God, same. So this is Lindsay's first movie since The Canyons, which was oh. 2013 – written by Brett Easton Ellis, directed by Paul Schrader. It was a different time. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry for anyone <laughs> doing, anyone fact-checking, because, yes, there was another movie in between. I'm sorry for the Among the Shadows erasure, but literally who saw Among the Shadows? It came out in 2019, and I pulled the synopsis from IMDb, and I remember watching the trailer and laughing at it because the premise is a private investigator must unravel the murder of her uncle, while keeping the secret that she is a descendant from a line of werewolves. What? So that no. was Lindsay's last movie in 2019. Yeah, look, I mean, it was her last movie, but not the last kind of great bit of footage of her dancing at her beach club in Mykonos and oh also God. her losing her accent, the whole <laughs> uh, do you say moment. That was pretty yeah. good. That was pretty there good. W- there was a moment too that went viral where she like <laughs> – kind of accidentally kidnapped like children on the street I think in <laughs> Dubai where she lives now because she thought they were like Syrian hostages or something she lives in Dubai 
oh yeah, she lives in Dubai now. Oh, I had no idea. That's where the accent comes from because she kind of started mimicking like accents of people living around her in Dubai, but she's Lindsay Lohan. I had just had no idea. I listened to Sexy Unique podcast recaps of Low and Beach Club. I couldn't bring myself to watch Beyond Episode <laughs> no. 1, but there is a, a bit where she's like doing the dance that went viral and she spins around. She also picks up a lobster and like throws it back into the ocean. There's a and I think it's the same party where she laughs and is like, "Ha, huh, I am like Putin." Oh. <laughs> Mm. So so to see Lindsay speaking in her normal speaking voice, Mm. acting, and she's doing a lot of press and she's like, she's got it together. Okay, good. I'm I'm just really happy to see it. Yeah, and she's like inked a deal for another Netflix film already, I think. Irish wish. (laughs) (laughs) When the love of Maddie's life gets engaged to her best friend, she puts her feelings aside to be a bridesmaid at their wedding in Ireland. Beautiful, beautiful. Beautiful premise. Can't mm, wait. It'll be like that. The, the bit in Younger where they go to a wedding in Ireland. <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. <laughs> One thing I did want to discuss about Falling for Christmas was Santa's teeth in this. Did you notice they were blinding? <laughs> like Santa has veneers it is why i couldn't see anything else i guess that was what his christmas wish was but santa's going to the same dentist the people on love island go to (laughs) it looks like that yeah Yeah, little white chiclets what are they called (laughs) oh yeah anyway that was um that was my main takeaway from the film so five stars. <laughs> I saw a tweet because, I mean, like it was enjoy- – I didn't expect much from it, obviously. shouldn't. That would be unfair. It was a bit of fun. But there was a tweet I saw that, that I felt was accurate by Jonathan Dean, a critic. He said, watch the new Lindsay Lohan falling for Christmas. Appalling. Nobody in the film wants to be in the film. Terribly directed. No idea how to tell a story. Shit story anyway. Baffling prop decisions. Acting subhuman. <laughs> Highly recommend. Haven't laughed like that for years. Five out of five. And exactly. He yeah, gets it. When I was recounting the plot line of the film to Zoe, I laughed so much telling her the plot of the film that I realised I actually quite liked it. Yeah. It's a great movie to boil your puds to. Yeah. It's a real pud boiler. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. One lady has been in the news again and again and again and may never leave the headlines and 
it's been that way for like 25 years because once again, we are watching recreations of Princess Diana's life. It seems like every three weeks there's something new. There is so much dye. I'm I'm all dyed out. I'm all dyed out. I did the entire fifth season of The Crown on the weekend. I thought I was going to pace myself, but then I had five Ikea Billy bookcases to put together <laughs> and ten episodes of The Crown to get through. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so it was really good background watching for that. But also there's like it's kind of been an unending um, procession of Princess Di content recently and this is outside of like we were going to do this episode just before the Queen died and we held off and then the crown came out. And so this has kind of been a long time coming because there's been the princess documentary. There's been Spencer. There's just been so much die. So much die. It, how is this season's die in the crown compared to, because I watched a little bit of like Emma Corrin as die mm-hmm. in the last season, I guess it was, but I've, I have not stuck with it, I yeah. have to say. My interest has waned. Although, is the like the toe sucking, is that in this season? So this season we get the toe sucking mentioned. The tampon? We get the tampon. Oh, okay. Well, I guess I have to come back, I suppose. Yeah, and Dominic West is playing Prince Charles, who is universally understood to be too handsome to be Prince Charles. He has too much structure in his face. So that's, you know, neither here nor there. but. Emma Corrin in season four, I found they were great because they played Princess Diana in those kind of fairy tale early years when she was really swept up in like the princess of it all and the marrying this like person who she had feelings for. And a season of The Crown just takes place over such a long period of time, you know, years pass between episodes sometimes. And so by the end of season four, it was kind of getting into like the trouble that Diana was making for the firm, Charles being like an absolute cunt and like putting really horrible expectations on her. And so by the time we get into season five and we like fast forward and we're at Elizabeth Debicki era, Mm -hmm. Diana is really into like reactionary mode. Like she's I felt like watching it, she was really reinforcing her humanity. The real friction between the two of them is that he's like bound by this like duty and institution and she was bound by love. And now that that love is gone, she's just full revenge, um, taking what she can get, finding the joy in her life where she can, even if it's like laughing at him and like the newspapers talking shit about him kind of thing. Mm-hmm. There's so many scenes of her driving that I realize like how much that is like part of what made Diana feel like a human being, you know, like she dressed like a person. She listened to mute. There's always music playing in the scenes with her. She's, she's alone all the time, but she's also like alone by choice, like behind the wheel of a car, which is something that like was so pleasing to watch in Spencer as well. Yeah. I was going to say there's a lot of driving in Spencer, which I really loved. This season felt like a link between the crown and Spencer in, mm. in that way, her little sports car zipping around London. As you know, I loved Spencer. You loved Spencer. I, yeah. I didn't love Spencer, but I, I thought it was beautiful. It was beautiful. I mean, I just, I think I just loved that whole like suite of Pablo Lorraine films. Mm-hmm. Like I loved Jackie so much and I thought Case Stew was a great Princess Di. Yeah. And I loved I've, Sally Hawkins in it, our friend Sally Hawkins. She was so good. 
our friend, I loved our friend Sally Hawkins. She was great. She was kind of like the, like a little goat. It's like Fight Club. Like, did she ever really exist? I almost feel like by covering just that one weekend as well in Spencer, they covered like more ground in like the interiority of Diana and the like black swaniness of mm. her, you know, painful kind of visions and fantasies and all of that. Yeah, it's really interesting watching when paired with the Princess documentary uh, that came out. I think it, it, I saw it at Sundance this year, but it's streaming widely now. Uh, it was directed by Ed Perkins and it solely uses archival imagery, um, interviews, television appearances, that sort of thing. There are no talking heads interviews. It's quite a special film, I think. Oh, yeah. It's beautiful. It showed me new stuff that I I thought I knew everything there was to know about the, the Diana tragedy, but there was so much about the public turning against her as well when she decided to step back from being a royal in the same way that's happened with Harry and Meghan recently. You know, I wasn't old enough to witness people resenting her for that and being like, we'll take pictures of you die whenever we bleeding well more, you know, <laughs> and like you can't tell us when you're going to be a princess. <laughs> yeah. What the princess, the documentary did so well was set up not just her, I mean, the kind of rare interviews that she gave to the press, but also what the press was saying about her at that time and how truly vicious it was. Um, yeah. I mean, mm. I remember it, but not, as well as, you know, someone growing up in the UK would have. They do get into the Andrew Morton stuff in The Crown Season 5 as well. And, oh, my God, just side note, the Dodi and Muhammad story that they're starting to tell in Season 5 is really, really good. Okay, yeah. I, look, I think, I'm, I think I've got to get back in. When I was getting ready to talk about this with you, I was kind of going into The Crown being like, do we need more Diana? Like, do we really mm. need to keep watching versions of this story over and over. And then as I just had season five of The Crown playing in the background like all weekend, I was bored any time it wasn't about Diana and Charles. Like I was like, who cares about the Queen's boat or whatever, you know? But like, you know, the the memes of Diana's bike shorts and the mm. the reproductions of the jumpers over the years. I'm kind of like, she got memed out for so long that I was like, I'm kind of sick of it, right? Mm. And then I I just think, like, it's that tragedy. It's the fact that she died so young that she will never get older. She will never – she'll never get cancelled. <laughs> she'll always <laughs> – she's preserved in amber forever. Like, it's it's truly a tragic story. And so, like, the, the Spencers and the Crowns and all of these things that try to, like, interrogate what was going on in her head. I think we're going to kind of always want to figure that out. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, yes. I remember when I was in, I was in like year 11 when she died and then when I was in year 12 in my three-net art class, this kid that I never really spoke to, he was so distraught about Die that his artwork for the HSC was um, – like five portraits of Di in various eras in different looks and when he put them together they formed a cross. 
Oh yeah, it's gosh. a lot, right? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I have a few see also's for Diana. One is the song Unsmart Lady by Dry Cleaning. They're a British band that I really love. And Unsmart Lady was a song on their, I think their first record. They're touring Australia in December, their first tour here. Very excited to see them live. But they have this song called Unsmart Lady and the chorus is just like the words fat, podgy, no makeup, unsmart lady, which is how Diana described herself to Andrew Morton. Um, That was her image of herself when she first met Charles. And um, when that song came out, it just drove me mad because no one made that connection. I don't think a single music journalist made the connection. And so they were just talking about this song as being like, it's about body image. (laughs) Oh, God. <laughs> and I was like, it's fucking about Princess Diana, you psychos. There's also this brand in the US called Moby Thrift um, who have this design with Diana's face that uh, they're printed on T-shirts and on jumpers and I bought one for myself a couple of months ago and it's really cute and I'll put a link in the show notes. I've got two. Uh, my friend Dan Jones wrote a book about her style. It's called Diana, style icon, a celebration of the fashion of Lady Diana Spencer, Princess of Wales. And we'll put a link to it in the in show notes. It's a beautifully illustrated book. But also speaking of jumpers, I mean, she had a wealth of jumpers, obviously. Love the Jenny Key blinky dye jumper, obviously. Oh, love. And that Jenny Key brought back to uh, raise money for bushfire-affected koalas a few years ago here. Very sweet. Uh, but the I'm a luxury jumper just keeps coming up and up and up and up. Uh, it was designed by Giles and George in the 80s. And more recently, we have seen it on a few Housewives franchises. Heather wore one on Salt Lake City. Erica wore <laughs> one on Rehoboher. And it also appeared in a famous photo by Lauren Greenfield of a Latvian model uh, in her doc, Generation Wealth, and the photo was absolutely everywhere. Anyway, it's still available. You can still get it. Before you mentioned the Latvian model, I was like, blonde women really relate to <laughs> Princess Diana, evidently, Heather and Erica. <laughs> yeah, and it's, and it's quite, I mean, it really is just these very rich women wearing that jumper. So if you're a rich blonde woman, get yourself that jumper. Well, Heather is Mormon royalty, so she is kind of a princess too. Oh, that that is true. Erica, not so much. Erica, not so much. Jinxie mentioned The Princess Stocko by Ed Perkins. It's on Stan and is truly just so good. Well, it's time for Also Also's where BL, you and I recommend – Things, random assortments from our lives that we are enjoying. What's your first one? My first one is a podcast. It's another Anne Helen Peterson podcast. This is the queen Mm -hmm. of writing about burnout. She has a new podcast called Work Appropriate. And I did a quick glance of Twitter. I know, very off-brand for me. And saw, that's a joke because I'm constantly talking about not being on it but then also being on it um I did a quick glance and saw that she had announced a new podcast subscribed immediately and I'm really enjoying it every time it drops into my feed it goes straight to the top of the queue she interviews different people every week and it's all about just like different dynamics at work so recently she talked about she spoke to someone who works at a not-for-profit talking about like the dynamics of kind of advocating for your worth 
and being paid what you're worth and unionizing and all of these things in that very specific work environment. There was an episode a few weeks ago about being a mother and going back to the workplace and support for parents in the workplace. She had comedian Josh Gondelman on the first episode and he was really fun and really lovely. He was a writer for Deezus and Mero on Showtime, which famously kind of imploded when they publicly stopped being friends recently. And so he talked about like being unemployed all of a sudden and like his network and his skills and all the things that can keep him going. I'm sorry I keep recommending things that are like about work, but um, that is truly where my... <laughs> where my head is at at the moment. <laughs> that sounds really interesting. I, I need to listen to that. I've got a pod also that is quite different to that, but it's also, you know, mental health related if you want it to be. It's called the Death Valley Girls podcast. This one is really for uh, Fleur and EY, friends of pod. Uh, I started listening to it because I saw that uh, someone I know had been interviewed for it, Jody Wiley, talking about Unarius and uh, the Source Family documentaries that she's worked on. And I got really deep into it. It's hosted by Bonnie Bloomgarden of the band Death Valley Girls, and she interviews what she calls her heroes. Uh, they're not necessarily heroes to other people. Uh, so some of them are just like her band members or, you know, documentarians like Jody or... Uh, recently she interviewed the director of the David Lynch Transcendental Meditation Foundation. It's very like alternative health practitioner, very utopian living, very interplanetary research. It's that kind of trip that is very much my trip and I enjoy it. If you enjoyed like Weird Walk, etc., when I've, <laughs> you know, uh, talked about how great that is. I think you'll like this, the Death Valley Girls podcast. That sounds great. I feel like I need to listen to these things to like understand your <laughs> essence even better. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, it's kind of amazing because she recently, she just, you know, said that Bonnie Bloomgarden said in the middle of an episode that her great great grandfather owns Cantor's Deli in LA. And so she's oh. from that family. Amazing, oh. right? Oh, my God. Pickle heiress. Exactly. Pickle royalty. <laughs> I've got a book also. Um, I feel like every time I recommend a book, I say it got me out of a reading rut, but I truly have been in a reading rut lately. I don't believe um, it because you're always reading. The last thing I read in inverted commas was Chriselle's audiobook on 1.5 speed, and then I had like <laughs> a week of not reading anything. Um my spreadsheet for this month just shows very little book work, but I picked up a book from my shelf that I bought years ago and then abandoned. It's the novel Friends and Strangers by J. Courtney Sullivan. It's like a bestseller, was a New York Times bestseller, it came out in mid-2020 and I completely missed it at the time. I believe someone recommended it to me and that's why I bought it because I don't, I'm not familiar with J. Courtney Sullivan. She's written a bunch of other stuff uh, that I'm not familiar with. Uh, this is like a very uninformed recommendation, but this book is really great. It's about two women, one of whom is a writer from Brooklyn who's just had a baby and she and her husband have moved to the suburbs. And she, in order to write her new novel, she hires a local babysitter from the women's college in the town where they live. 
and that young girl, you know, she's grown up very working class and works at the cafeteria at her very privileged women's college. And so the chapters kind of alternate their perspectives and it's grappling with like a lot of really interesting stuff about like those like money relationships between like women as you get older, the things that you found really expensive when you were younger become like part of your daily. There's like, there's a moment where the college age girl comments that like her boss, the woman she's babysitting for gets like flowers delivered um, to her home and like what a luxury that is. And I was like, oh yeah, when I was in uni, I never would have imagined that I would become a person who would do that. Mm. That sounds great. I need to read that. And it has no relation to the James Vaughan film Friends and Strangers from a few years ago. No, no. Okay. Jinxie, what's your next one? I've got a reuse also. I'm really on my crunchy trip at the moment, aren't I? Firstly, I'm talking about like TM and alien podcasts and (laughs) now I'm, well, you know, I was like many very distraught about this lack of soft plastic recycling in Australia. That I have, I have a way that. to help you with that. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, good. We, we, we're, we collected it in our office and it doesn't go through the, the business that collapsed. So if you have any, I can take it for you. That's music to my ears because I try everything I can to avoid, you know, buying plastics, but it, sometimes it is really difficult. So I've been taking it a bit more seriously recently and I've started using these Ever Eco baking mats and also food pouches. It's an Australian company, I think from the Sunshine Coast, but they are all over the world at this point. Uh, I buy them from a shop called Graham in Fitzroy, but you can order direct. You can't actually recycle baking paper after you've cooked on it or before you've cooked on it because it has a coated finish on it. Uh, so these baking mats are great in the they're like a silicon mat. You end up using a lot less oil and you just wash them down afterwards. You can put them in your dishwasher, etc. They're great. And uh, I've also been using the food pouches. My last one is a cookbook. Also, it's the book Chinese-ish, Home Cooking, Not Quite Authentic, 100% Delicious. It's written by the chef, Rasheen Call, who you might know, she's the chef of Etta in Melbourne. And she just recently got announced as like a good food contributor. She's doing a bunch of like hosting and recipe writing for publications at the moment because she's like hot prop, partly because of the recipe writing she's done in this book and in the place that it started, which was these um, isolation recipe books that were like downloadable PDFs that she released with Joanna Hu, who is an illustrator who's also worked with her on this book. They released those isolation recipe books during lockdown in Melbourne and a friend passed one on to me when I think they sold out and I made sesame prawn toasts when I had a real hankering for yum cha that couldn't be met during lockdown. And I made like a bunch of little side dishes and it was just like delightful. And the stories in the cookbook are beautiful. The list of pantry stocking and, you know, Rasheen's stories about like food in her family. It's just like a beautiful cookbook. I picked it up from Books for Cooks in Melbourne, which again, I highly recommend for any of your cookbook purchases. This sounds divine. 
I'll have you over for dinner. Please do. Uh, and then I've got a watch also, so maybe we can combine it. You know how you were saying you need a new show in your life? Well, mm-hmm. there's one that we've been talking about for a little while, but we got the dates wrong. We didn't know exactly when it was coming to Australia. Well, it came. Um, <laughs> it's high school. It's on Amazon Prime. It's not a great title, I have to say. Uh, it was developed by Claire Duvall and Tegan and Sarah Quinn of Tegan and Sarah fame. Uh, and it's based on a memoir they wrote together in 2019. I'm not a Tegan and Sarah fan. I could not name a single goddamn song, I have to say, up front. Uh, And so I was a little bit like, I don't know if I'm going to get this show or like this show, but it's really great. Is it? It's really nicely directed by Clea Duvall. She has, you know, saved herself after Happiest Season. (laughs) I mean, I did rewatch it, so it's not that bad. There's three quarters (laughs) of it is good. But, yeah, Claire Duval has directed it really nicely. She's also written most of it and some of the writing can be a little, like, clunky at times. But, like, I've never seen a – I mean, it's set in the 90s, mid-90s, and it's about suburban teenage lesbians. I mean, there is a lot in there for me to feel – something for I feel a little seen watching much of this and I'm really enjoying that very much because it is this kind of I mean you see a lot of queer teens on screen now I mean on Heartbreak High they're able to talk about their douches with their dads for Christ's sakes right this is not that show um this is like hiding your girlfriend in your teen bedroom etc um but yeah the the girls who played tegan and sarah are very good they were found on tiktok this is their yeah this is their first acting role oh my Um, god they've got a young mom and she's played by kobe smulders who i love she's so good i realize that i really only know her from the andrew bajalski film results but apparently she's been in like major tv shows that i was not aware of she played um what's her face that horrible republican blonde woman in the ryan murphy bill clinton beanie feldstein oh i never saw that one i never saw it she was also in how i met your mother and like a lot of the marvels the marvels movies and married to taryn killam from snl Oh, well, there you yeah. go. I was looking at her Wikipedia because I was like, why do I do I really only know her from a Bajowski film? And I noticed that her first two credits were Exotic Beauty and then Psychotic Brunette. <laughs> it has a really great, wildly expensive soundtrack. It's like all the 90s alternate hits. It's like being back at alternative nation or Lollapalooza with like a hint of Lilith Fair. Um, I thought you were going to say it's like being back at Yellow Jackets. <laughs> I mean, it is Yellow Jackets, but it's, and actually both were scored by Anna Waronka um, from That Dog, 90s pedigree. But the music supervisor of this show also did Russian Doll and Minx and Search Party. And the soundtracks to all those were really good and like quite surprising. So... Mm-hmm. I'm whizzing through it. It's like I've got maybe four episodes left and I actually don't want it to end. 
Oh, nice. I'm going to go and watch it. I love that this got Tegan and Sarah back in your head. I mean, no, it didn't get them back in my head. They It got them in my head for the first time. It's a, it's a reference to Tegan and Sarah. Oh, so see, I don't know. You wouldn't know. I wouldn't know. <laughs> oh, I my think- God. I just looked at the list of episodes. Everyone has the title of every episode is a Tegan and Sarah oh, no. song. Okay. Look, look, if you, if you, I don't know that. So I'm not, I'm coming in cold on this That's and okay. enjoying it very much. You're just like, I wonder what happens to these two little Canadian teen lesbians. Yeah, totally. Hope, and hope like, they succeed. Yeah, and they, the Tegan and Sarah fans are watching, picking up every single little Easter egg. But <laughs> unbeknownst to me, it's still very good. Thanks for listening to See Also. If you'd like this episode and all of our episodes, please go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. Uh, Give us five stars and leave us a little review. We'd love to read them. And you can also follow us on Instagram at See Also Podcast. Thank you as always to Samuel Hodge for our beautiful artwork and Harvey Sutherland for our original theme music. See you next time. Bye. Okay, I have two new obsessions that I need to share with you. Impress No Glue Press-On Manny's and Impress Press-On Falsies Lashes. Trust me, these are getting ready game changers. Both require no glue, so there is no damage to your natural nails and lashes, no mess, and no annoying dry times. Just one step and you're done. Boom. Instant glam. Visit impressbeauty.com slash presson and use code presson25 at checkout for 25% off Impress Manicure and Press-On Falsies. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.